I want to tell you a story about a family who uh, sat in in a counselor's office. And as they sat in their counselor's office, they both realized that this could be the end of their marriage. As the husband looked at his wife and said, how in the world could I ever forgive her after the affair? And as the wife looked at her husband and said, how can I ever forgive him for being so distant and for not being there for me and being so unresponsive? As, as pain and as heartache and as frustrations all came pouring out of their mouths and out of their hearts into that room that day, the couple realized that they had built so much animosity and frustration up in their relationship. How could they ever learn to forgive one another? This story that I'm telling you about uh, actually comes from something that I read uh, this past week in the Washington Post. It's a story about two people who are trying to learn how to forgive each other. And we're not told the names of, of these, this couple in this article. So for the, the part of this story, I just want to call them Bob and Marianne. Bob and Marianne are trying to figure out how to do life together and how they can possibly forgive each other. It's her fault, he cried. It's his fault, she yelled. Their fingers were pointed at one another, pointed always at the other person, never looking at the fingers coming back at them, but always pointing out an accusation towards the other. What brought them to the counselor's office was the affair that the wife had had, that Marianne had had, but there was so much more that they needed to address as a couple. Bob's issues resolved, uh, they revolved rather around his avoidance and Marianne's revolved around a, a, a unstable childhood and her mother's four marriages as she was growing up. Over the course of their three or four meetings, they talked about what divorce would do to their kids, what it would do to them, and how in his pain, uh, Bob would air his dirty laundry publicly to Marianne's co-workers or to people they met on the street. And out of her pain, she would, not continue, she would not stop even after the fair had been discovered. She continued on in that relationship. How can this couple ever find a way to forgive each other? Was the question that was posed to them as they dealt with their counselor that day. Bob and Marianne, they kept returning back to their counselor's office. And, and by their own admission and their own story, they said they didn't know how they were going to find a way back to each other. How do you forgive when there's been so much pain? How do you forgive when uh, you've experienced so much? How do you heal? How do you move on? How do you love? How do you learn how to trust again? This couple was in pain. How is forgiveness even possible when you have been so mortally wronged? That's the question that's before us today. But before we even dive into that question, I want to pause and and make sure you understand that I'm not asking you to forgive today. Forgiveness is not the place that I'm asking you to start. Yes, the whole theme of this message series is all about forgiveness, but for, for, for just for today, forgiveness is not the first step that we need to take in this process of learning how to forgive. In fact, today, when you think about the past pain that you've experienced, I'm not going to ask you to forgive. Not, not yet. Forgiveness will come in time as we go down the road. But today I'm going to ask you to consider doing one thing. And that's this. I'm going to ask you to take power away from the person who's hurt you. 
I'm going to ask you to make a choice today that begins the process of forgiveness, begins the process of healing, but the decision that you're going to make is, are you willing to take power away from the person or the people who have hurt you? The hurt of the past is there. It's real. It exists. Last week we talked about how you can't fake your way to pretend the pain doesn't exist. You can't fake your way to healing. You can't ignore the past. That's, that's a true statement. But what you can do, what you can do is you can remove the unfair hold that hurt has on you. You can remove that from your life. And, and here's what I know about you because it's true of me also. Here's what I know. I know that you've experienced pain at the hand of someone else in your lifetime. If you're a human being listening to this message, I know that that's true because we all live in a stupid, sinful, broken world where people get hurt all the time. And so people have hurt you in your lifetime. I've experienced pain. You've experienced pain. We've all experienced pain where people have wronged us. It's the reality of this world that we live in. And if you've not come to a place where you're able to forgive that person or those people who have hurt you, then you are still in pain. You are still in pain. And pain works its way out in all of us in different ways. For some of you, as you listen to this, you might be in pain. And the way you deal with your pain is you lash out in anger. You slam doors. You yell and scream and you carry on. And that's the way you are expressing this pain in your life. For some of you, your pain has found a numbing process. So you go to the pills, or you go to the porn, or you go to the alcohol, or you go to the gambling, or you go to the the pretending to be perfect, or you go to flirting with someone on Facebook, but you numb yourself in some way, shape, or form. For others of you, you uh, express your pain by just being lackadaisical and careless. No, you don't really care too much. If you don't care too much, it doesn't hurt as much. Or maybe you lack some self-awareness or maybe you've just labeled other people in such a negative way that when you see people, you just say negative things about them. That's your pain working its way out. For some of you, your pain is rooted in a bad attitude. It's in a critical nature. You find yourself pouting or giving others the silent treatment. You find ways to manipulate others. The list of inappropriate ways that we deal with our pain goes on and on and on. For as many people as there are in the world, there's probably different ways that we deal with our pain in negative and inappropriate ways. Our pain hurts and it leaks out of our lives into others' lives. And I promise you, if we don't do the work of identifying our pain and addressing our pain, we're going to turn around and we're going to hurt other people with our pain. Hurt people hurt people. That's just the way it works. Hurt people hurt people. And often we don't even know that we're doing it. We just hurt others because we are so much in pain. So what can you, what can I, what can we do with our pain? If we're all walking around with some level of pain and unforgiveness, what can we do? And this is what I want to come back to. What I said in the beginning is step one is to acknowledge your pain. Step one is to acknowledge your pain. Acknowledge that someone has wronged you in this life and that what you do now with your feelings puts you in control. Yes, someone has hurt you. Someone else has has hurt you in the past, but the feelings that you have now are yours to manage. 
It's yours to manage. You and I can't manage feelings that you and I don't own. We have to own our feelings in order to manage them. In her book, Forgiving What You Can't Forget, Lisa Turkhurst uh, makes the following statement. She says, I can't wait for another person to do something to make me feel better about the situation. If I need another person to make things right before I move towards change, I might stay unhealed for a really long time. I will paralyze my progress waiting for something that may or may not ever happen. That person who hurt me may be the cause of my pain, but they are not capable of being the healer of my pain or the restorer of my life. What an amazing sentence. That person who hurt me may be the causer of the pain, the person who causes me pain, but they cannot be the person who's capable of being the healer of my pain. This is where you and I tend to fall down, right? This is where we fall down right here. When we feel hurt, we want to blame the other person. We want those fingers to point at the other person because if I can blame you, then it makes me feel better about myself. I'm doing something with my emotions, right? If, 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 if I can blame you, it feels good to do something with that pain. We're telling ourselves that, that that other person has wronged us, that they've hurt us, that they did it. Look, look at them. They're the ones that hurt me. I want everybody to see it. They're the ones. They're the ones that orchestrate all this. They're the ones that hurt me. It's their fault. And I don't like feeling like this. And it's their fault that I'm in pain. That's what we do. But blame is us literally handing the power to change over to the person who hurt us. That's what blame is. It's per- turning the power over to the person who hurt us. If they never acknowledge that what they did to us hurts us, if they never acknowledge that, you and I are powerless to change. We, we're just stopped. And if by some miracle they ever do acknowledge that what they did was, was wrong, but they never make it right, because it's really hard to go back in the past and make something right. If they can never make it fully right, which they probably can't do, then again, we're powerless We're powerless to ever get healing in our lives. And this leads us in a place where we are powerless to change. Now I said before, forgiveness is not the first step in the process of forgiveness. We don't just wake up and as soon as somebody hurts us, we just forgive. That's not usually the place that we start. We don't immediately start by forgiving someone after we've been hurt. But but freedom from the pain is possible when we take the power away from the person who hurt us. And you do that by acknowledging that what they did hurt you, and you then take ownership over your own feelings, and you can begin to move forward. How is forgiveness possible? Forgiveness is possible when we stop blaming, and we realize that our ability to heal can't depend on what that other person does or doesn't do. We're in charge of what we do with our emotions. We're in charge of how we manage them. If you have your Bible open, you're welcome to turn with us uh, to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 to 29. In a minute, we're actually going to put the screen up and we're going to actually have the scripture for you. So we'll be able to turn to that and you'll be able to see that uh, in just a minute. But uh, before you do, I just want to tell you, in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church. And the church is asking the great question that all of us ask. It's saying, what are we here for? And so the Apostle Paul is writing to the church, essentially, to say, listen, you are here for a purpose. God loves you. 
And, and, and you can live this life differently than what you see around you. God has a specific plan for you, and, and he, he wants you to see yourself the way God sees you. That's kind of the way the Apostle Paul is writing here. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 and 29, we, we hear this particular phrase. And it's this phrase that, that is often repeated, and it says, In your anger, do not sin. Right? How many of you have ever heard that phrase? In your anger, do not sin. What can that possibly mean? And how does that have anything to do with forgiveness? Well, that's what we're going to look at here in a moment. So uh, before we read this, let me pray for us, and then we'll read the scripture together. Um, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of your word. I thank you that through your word, you challenge us, you equip us, uh, you change us, God, so that we can see ourselves the way you see us more clearly. So we pray that you would speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's look today at Ephesians chapter uh, 4, verses 25 through 29. And it says this, So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting your anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for hard work, for good hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. This is the scripture. And let's unpack this. Let's unpack this for a minute. I have always heard the phrase, in your anger, do not sin. But oftentimes that phrase has confused me, right? Because I thought, okay, in my anger, do not sin. So I think back to the times that I've been angry. Okay, uh, did I sin when I was angry, when I was yelling at my kids? Was, was I sinning there? Well, maybe, I, I'm not really sure. Or, or what about when that guy cut me off and, and maybe I was like not really too happy about that? Was I, I was angry? Was I sinning at that moment? I'm trying, where was the sin? What was the sin part of it? And, or how about this? What about when you're doing some work and you take a hammer and you bang your thumb with the hammer and you maybe say a few choice words? I don't know. And, and you're like, okay, well, I, those probably weren't the best words to say. I was angry. I was frustrated. Was that where I was sinning? Like, wh- in your anger, do not sin. That, that phrase has, has been there in this passage of Scripture, but what exactly does it mean? I like what this passage in Ephesians says, the, the translation, rather, from Ephesians, because it says this, it says, Do not sin by letting your anger control you. That's a little different, right? Do not sin by letting your anger control you. This tells me that it's not a sin to feel anger, right? We all feel anger. Jesus felt anger. You can feel anger, and and that doesn't mean that you're sinning just because you feel anger. The sin comes when we allow the anger to control us. Likewise, it's not a sin to be hurt or even to be angry after you've been wronged. When you've been wronged, it makes sense to be angry. You're in pain. And so the the pain the sin is is not is not being upset or being hurt. The sin is allowing that pain, that hurt that anger to control you and lead you to blame others, to project onto others, to pretend or to hide or to make bad choices because of that pain, that's where the sin creeps in. Paul is reaching out to the church in Ephesus and he's pleading with them. He's saying, you are all one church. 
You are one church, one church body together. Don't let your emotions control you. You control your emotions. You are going to get hurt. You're going to get angry. When somebody abuses you, when someone hurts you, when someone that you trust turns on you, you're going to feel pain. But when you hurt, identify your feelings and own them so that they don't own you and cause you to respond poorly. When you feel hurt by something that someone else did, in order for you to move forward, don't wait for that person to make things right. Don't blame people and don't shame them because that's just going to heap all kinds of problems on top of the situation and it doesn't help anybody. Separate your healing from someone else's repentance or their lack thereof. Your ability to heal cannot be conditioned upon them wanting your forgiveness. The first step towards forgiveness is to identify that someone has wronged you and begin to heal by owning your emotions, owning your own response to that hurt. Bob and Marianne, the couple that I started telling you about at the beginning of this message from the Washington Post article, they had made it through four counseling sessions and they were on their way to five and they realized that if they were going to make it to five sessions, they were at this tipping point. They had to learn to let go of their anger. And when they were asked about their experience, Bob said, if we were going to try and work this out, I had to forgive her and I had to earn her forgiveness for burying my feelings. In order to accept her husband's forgiveness, Marianne knew that she needed to forgive herself because she felt worthless. She was plagued with shame and she was feeling like she was damaged goods, incapable of ever having a good relationship. And so the path to forgiveness could not take place for this couple until they owned their own feelings in the marriage. Once they did that, they weren't blaming each other anymore and forgiveness could begin to happen. Forgiveness uh, for them, by the way, didn't come immediately. It didn't come through some big forgiveness or some, uh, you know, some heartfelt letter that one of them wrote or a big speech, but it did come. It came gradually over time as Bob and Marianne over the months after these counseling sessions, they continued to demonstrate trustworthiness and openness before each other and practice that. Eventually, they stopped attending the counseling sessions because they had come to the conclusion that they had arrived at a place where they could do this on their own and they were able to pull their marriage back from the brink of disaster. Do not sin by letting your anger control you. Bob and Marianne brought their marriage back from the brink because they stopped blaming each other and they owned their response to the past of the pain. And you can too. When you are hurt, whether it was yesterday or whether it was years ago, identify that you feel in pain because of something that someone else has done. Call it out. Call that pain out. Name it. And then begin to heal, not by expecting the other person to make things right, That's not how you begin to heal. Instead, you decide that you are going to begin to choose the path of forgiveness. You're going to set your feet on that path and you're going to choose the path of forgiveness. That's your goal. And as you do that, you realize, you realize that you and you alone have the ability to do this. You and you alone have the ability to make those steps happen. And as you do this, you will be taking your first steps towards freedom. Amen. Let's pray.
Father God in heaven, we thank you for giving us this day. And Lord, every single one of us needs to work having more forgiveness in our lives. There's not one of us, God, who's not been hurt by our past. And and we pray, God, we pray that today you would help us to identify the pain. And then we would begin to own that pain and understand that it is true in our lives. And Lord God, we pray that you would help us to set our feet, just to begin to start taking the, the, the power away from the people who have hurt us by owning the pain in that relationship. And Lord, we believe that forgiveness will come uh, as we do that, and that you will bring us to a place of freedom that we've never known. So Lord, that is something that we pray today. We thank you for your incredible love for us. And God, we also would pray uh, not only for uh, the ability to forgive, but also Lord, for the ability to be generous. We thank you that we are your church and that we are able to give abundantly as you have poured into our lives. Lord, we can give out of the grace that you've given to us. And so Lord, we pray that you would make us a church who's opening our hands up to you to learn from you, to experience you, and uh, Lord, that you will go with us into the future. We pray this all today in Jesus' name. Amen.